Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, April 26th, 2021. Well, as we start a new week today, we're going to talk about something that's frankly not always fun to talk about, but very, very necessary. In fact, what we're going to talk about today, I think, will end up being one of the most important things about your life. We're going to talk today about how in this fallen world in which we live, there's something inevitable that we are going to have to deal with, and that is sin. We have to learn to deal with sin in our own lives, and again, in this fallen world, we have to learn to deal with being sinned against. And again, this might not be the cheerful thought that you wanted to start your week with, but it is necessary because really how we respond to sin will make one of the biggest differences out of anything in our lives. And even though this might not seem like a fun topic, I think as we dig into God's word, we're going to find, well, we're going to find revival from the Bible. So let's start in Psalm 51 this morning, and let's start by thinking about how do we deal with our own sin? When we sin, what should we do about it? And this psalm is going to, I think, give us some helpful direction as we think about that. And this psalm is one of the most famous psalms in the book of Psalms. Again, it tells us when this psalm was written. It was written by David after he was confronted by the prophet Nathan after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and really been responsible for the murder of her husband. So David has sinned. He sinned big time and he's been confronted with his sin. He realizes that he has sinned. And so how does he respond to his own sin? So today we're looking at verses one through six. And let me just read those for us. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So here, as we see these words, notice even how David begins. He begins by appealing to God's mercy, to God's steadfast love, and even to God's abundant mercy to blot out his transgressions. I love how when David goes to God, he starts there. He doesn't come and say, God, I've done a lot of good things, God. Oh, God, remember when I did this good thing? Oh, God, you, remember when uh, when you picked me to be the king because you saw my heart and you saw what was good? No, he doesn't defend himself. He doesn't try to make up for it. He goes straight for God's mercy. And we see also that he goes for God's mercy because he's not making any excuses for his sin. In chapter or verse four kind of gets us confused because he's like, well, wait, didn't he sin against Uriah? Didn't he sin against other people? And I don't think uh, David's really trying to say, oh, I didn't sin against anybody else. I think he's trying to 
say, God, you're right. And ultimately I have sinned against you. He's really trying to own up to what he has done and agree with God. He's saying, I've done what is evil. And basically God, what you say about my sin is right. And when you judge me for my sin, you will be blameless because what I have done is wrong and it is indefensible before you God, against you. I have sinned. Ultimately, my sin is against you. And he's putting his sin right out there in front of him. So we see some elements of what do we do with our own sin? Well, one, we have to acknowledge it, right? We have to put it out there before God and say, God, this is wrong. And you are right when you say that my sin is wrong. And you are blameless when you deal with my sin. It's right there in front of me. So God, have mercy on me because you're a merciful God. Not because I deserve it. Because you are a merciful God who is full of steadfast love. And we also start to see he's not just trying to get off the hook, right? He's not just trying to get out of the consequences for his sin. He really wants his heart changed. We see this in a couple places. Verse two, for instance, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, right? He's not just saying, oh God, I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. Please don't discipline me. Right? Like you might think of a young child reasoning with their parents. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Please. I don't want a consequence for what I have done. No, he, he's wanting God's forgiveness, but really what he wants is to be washed and to be cleansed. He does not want to sin anymore. And we get another glimpse of that in verse six, where it says, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Clearly, I don't think David, uh, he knows that what he has done is wrong. And obviously there was probably some deception going on in his heart. It's hard to have adultery or sexual sin without some kind of cover up. And that's even why Uriah was killed because he was trying to cover up his sin. But he's saying, God, you want the truth and you want the truth to really be in me from the inside out. So here we see a few important elements. What do we do with our own sin? Well, we agree with God about it. We confess it. We put it out there in front of him. We appeal to his mercy and we ask more than just God take away the consequences. We want to be changed. We want to be cleansed from the inside out. So this is a good example for how we should deal with sin in our own lives. We're going to see a not so good example as we continue reading through the book of Judges. And today we're reading chapters two through four. And right away, uh, we see uh, there's being some kind of confrontation where the angel of the Lord uh, comes up and says to the people of Israel in verse one, I brought you out of the out from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land and you shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides and their God shall be a snare to you. And as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they, the name of that place, the, the translation for that word bohem there is weepers. That, that was the name of that place from then on. And what I want to suggest to you is even though we see sorrow, I don't think this is really sorrow like 
David's. I think what happened is God has delivered the punishment and they're sad because of the punishment, but it's not like the cry of David, wash me from the inside out. And what makes me say that? Well, the rest of the book of Judges. They don't really go on to show their sorrow for this sin. We just see this cycle, like we mentioned over the weekend, the cycles of the book of Judges, sin followed by suffering, followed by salvation through a judge, and then a period of silence and rest in the land. And we start to see that cycle. It really explains, starting in verse 16 of chapter 2, how God would raise up these judges as a means to deliver his people. And we start to read about the first couple judges. The first one is Othniel, which if that name sounds familiar, that is uh, the the man who uh, responded to Caleb's call to take over this particular place and then married Caleb's daughter. As we saw Caleb passing on his passion and really his trust in the promises of God to the next generation. Now we see Othniel rising up to be that first faithful judge in Israel. And one thing we're going to see with a lot of these judges is a lot of them had problems. A lot of them we're going to see, hey, God used them, but there's some things about them that we don't really want to model, where Othniel just seems pretty straightforward, pretty simple. He does what the Lord calls him to do. And then we read about, as my Sunday school teacher once called him, Ehud, the left-handed dude who delivers Israel from this from Eglon, this Moabite king, and then Shamgar very briefly. And then we read a longer story in verse in chapter four about Deborah and Barak and how Deborah told Barak to go. And again, this is where we start to see things that I don't think are great in some of these people that were used to deliver. And Barak basically says, I'll go if you go with me. Not exactly uh, an example of the strength and courage that we would want to see. And so Deborah even responds, well, a a woman is going to get the glory for what happens. And then we see this woman named Jael at the end. Uh, This is kind of a very interesting part of the book of Judges, which can be sometimes a gruesome book. She drives a tent peg through this evil general's head. And therefore she gets glory for that victory, particularly over that general. But generally, again, the cycle that we see in the book of Judges is not good. And I would suggest part of that is because they're not dealing with their sin correctly. They're not dealing with it like we see David doing. Well, next, this is another important question we've got to ask, because we're going to not only have to deal with our own sin, but we're also going to have to deal with being sinned against. What in the world do we do about that? And we're going to get some great instruction for that in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And what we see here is God telling us how to respond when others wrong us. Starting in verse 17, it says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So there we see very clearly when we are sinned against, we are not to respond with evil or with vengeance towards the other person. God makes that crystal clear here in his word. 
whether that's somebody in your workplace or your neighborhood, somebody that has wronged you. For many of you, this might be someone in your family or even on a daily basis. This can happen in small levels when you think about a roommate or a spouse or even a brother or sister where they do something that just annoys you or even maybe straight up is wrong and grates against you because they are legitimately sinning against you. What are you going to do in response to that? Well, God says what you shouldn't do is respond with evil. You should never respond with vengeance. I think through, I've got young kids right now, and one of them in particular really trying to teach, okay, what do you do when somebody is doing something to you that you don't like? Because basically this child's Typical responses are either I'm just going to freak out and go hysterical, or I'm going to try to get back at that person. And I'm trying to teach them, no, neither of those are good. First, you stay calm, and then you ask that person nicely to stop or to give back what they took from you. And if that's not working, you calmly go get mommy or daddy and ask for help. And I just think about God as our heavenly father watching us either freak out or try to get back at the other person when he's saying, hey, come ask your father for help. And he promises us, he says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. He promises us that, hey, if somebody is sinning against you, they are not going to get away with it. Even if it looks like they're getting away with it in the eyes of the world, someday they are going to have to stand before God as their judge. And that is a very serious thing. And that is something we have to remember is God doesn't always deal with the problem like we would because he is a patient and loving God. But every sin against you will be punished. It will either be punished by God as he is the judge who executes judgment on the sinner or that judgment will be and has been redirected to the cross where that sin against you was paid for in full by Jesus Christ. So we need to remember when we are sinned against, we should stay calm. We should reach out to our heavenly father and we should resolve That even to those who wrong us, we will do good to them. Whether that's a coworker, a neighbor, or whether that's even our, our spouse or a sibling. That we will take to heart the words here in verse 21, which says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, our last parable, or our last section today is Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, which tells a very familiar parable, the the parable of the sower. And it talks about Jesus going out on a boat and sitting in the sea. It's actually interesting. There's places along the Sea of Galilee where uh, right there on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, there's places where it almost forms kind of this natural theater uh, where even the acoustics are so good that someone could sit out in a boat just off the shore and speak in a normal voice and be heard all across the hillside. But as for the meaning of this familiar parable, Jesus will explain that more in our reading tomorrow. So as we start this new week, may we be people who respond to sin the right way, whether that's our own sin by confessing it before God and seeking that cleansing, or whether it's others sinning against us by trusting God, looking to him to help and resolving that we will not return evil for evil, but we will seek to overcome evil with good. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.